Today, I'm starting a brand new series, Under the Influence. We have such a great creative team here at Circle that this summer when we were looking at what God was leading us to teach, what we should be talking about, we couldn't help but address the reality that we find ourselves in. And the reality is that each of us, like it or not, want it or not, wish it was so or not, each and every one of us is living under the influence of someone or something. Now, what I mean is that we all make decisions based on influences we have experienced. These influences come in many shapes or sizes, like the jobs we have or want, the family unit we are part of, our friendship groups, romantic relationships that we are part of. All of these have a powerful and subtle or very direct way of influencing how we think, how we perceive the world, how we make decisions in life. And as much as we like to think that we are under our own free will, that we are our own living, thriving, free agents in this world, the reality is that so much of what we believe and choose to do is based on the influence we're under. We are all under the influence. Now, the friends we hang out with, the work we are part of, this, even the city we live in, the family we're born into or married into, the kids we have or don't have, all of this has an influence. There's actually so much influence that directs our everyday thinking and actions, like the clothes you buy, the house you have or want, the brand of your phone or computer that you want or have, you know, like the one that works or the other one that's Android, you know, all of these things. All of these things influence us. I will never forget when my wonderful wife, Jessica, and I traveled to Ukraine. Now, we were just newly married. It was just a few years. And we thought, hey, let's go. Now, some of you know that I was born in Ukraine. So it was great to have my wife go to my birth country. This is where it all started for me. And I was excited to show her around, to meet some of my relatives that were living there. And uh, it was just a great experience. I will never forget what Jessica said to me at the end of the trip. When I asked Jessica what, what she thought about our trip, after much consideration and thought, she said to me, I now know why you are the way you are. I had no idea what that meant. I didn't know if it was good or bad, but for her, experiencing where I came from reflected the influence she saw in my life. This country had shaped me and it gave her a clear view of why I am who I am. Now, after a bit of an awkward silence, I asked her, like, is, is that good? She paused to choose her words appropriately and then said, well, it's helpful. Let's just be honest. All of us have had or have an influence in our lives. It's an influence for, for a reason why we do what we do. Even the news we trust and the news we don't trust, the politics we align ourselves with, or the politics we believe will do the most good in the world, or do things better, or help more people. But I would even venture to say that if we are really honest, we are most influenced to make the decisions that we make based on what will help us get what we want. There is no doubt influence plays a part in our lives. And the hardest part of this conversation is that we don't often recognize what influenced us to make the decisions we made in any moment. And I know that for some of you, as it was for me, this topic brings up many memories, many decisions I had to make in my life, many good ones, like marrying Jessica 
and many bad ones. And it's really, if I, when I'm honest, the bad decisions that really linger in my thinking. And on top of it all, all of us are living with the repercussions of all of these decisions in our life. So we find ourselves in this time that requires decisions, requires careful thinking, but how do you decide what is good and healthy? And how do you decide what is destructive? If we are all under some influence, whether it's the news, friends, family, politics, how do we make the best possible decision? To answer this question, I want us together in this series to seriously consider our influence. What or who is influencing us? How can we navigate the best possible decisions in our life despite the influence? So over this series, we're going to explore some questions that should help us see ourselves and the world around us a little bit clearer. So today I want us to look at the question that will help us make the best possible decision. And that question is, what am I doing this for? This is such an important question because the wisest decisions you can make are those that keep the end goal in mind. The problem with this seemingly simple question is that I don't think we always ask this question. In fact, we are most often thinking past the question. Often we base our, our decisions on the feeling or momentary gain we believe it will create. Instead of the logical consideration of what am I doing this for? Like, what's the end goal here? But we don't tend to keep the end in mind, do we? It's way easier to sleep in than to get up and to exercise. We know exercise is way better. The end goal is a healthier person. But we don't really think about the end goal, do we? Because the feeling of sleeping in, the momentary gain we get from sleeping in, feels way better. We know that we, what we should do, but we talk ourselves out of it, don't we? We know it's better to eat healthier, and the end goal is, would be better for us. But boy, those donuts sure look good. And why stop at one? See, the problem is not the intention or the knowledge of what we should do or the diagnosis or understanding of the problem. The problem is not asking what or why am I actually doing this for? Am I actually being honest about the influences and repercussions of my decisions? Am I doing this to get something in the moment or in the end? Am I really buying spending? Am I really saying yes or saying no? Am I, am I really doing this for the good of myself? For the good of others? What am I doing this for? Now, the reason I love the Bible is that it addresses the human condition so well. The Bible has real people navigating very real human decisions. So today I want us to read just a short passage from the Apostle Paul. And he writes this letter to a, a church in Rome. Now, for those of you who are not aware, Paul is a follower of Jesus who used to hate Jesus. He used to hate the church. But he had this amazing encounter with Jesus that changed everything for him. And in this particular passage that we'll soon see, Paul is working out the idea of the human condition. He writes, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Sound familiar? I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. 
man, this, this sounds so much like me, so much like you. Paul is bearing his very soul. And he's telling us of an experience which is at the core, the very essence of the human condition. He knew what was right and wanted to do it, wanted to do the right thing. And yet, somehow, he didn't always do that. He knew what was wrong and the last thing he wanted to do. And yet, somehow, he did it. It was as if he felt himself in a split personality. Is it? As if two people are inside one person, pulling in different directions. He was haunted by the feeling of frustration, his ability to see what was good, and his inability to do it. His ability to recognize what was wrong and his inability to refrain from doing it. Why did I make that choice? Why did I do that? What influenced me to do what I already know not to do? I know the end of this decision is destructive. I know the end of this is pain. I know the end of this decision is debt. I know the end of this decision is divorce. I know the end of this decision is loss of income. I know the end of this decision is mistrust. Why would I do what I know I should not do? We've been there. What Paul is telling us about our human condition is that it demonstrates the inadequacy of human knowledge. What I mean here is that it's, it seems in our lives and in Paul's life, just knowing the problem, knowing that something can be bad, isn't enough. If, if just knowing the right thing means I will do it, we would all be happy. We would all be healthy and wealthy. We would eat right because, yeah, we know that's the best and proven thing to do. We know that eating better is better. We don't need doctors to tell us that. We know that. We would exercise more. Because yeah, we, we have enough research on that. If we exercise, we feel better. We wouldn't overspend. We wouldn't go in debt. We would invest rightly. But knowing all these things doesn't seem to help us. Just the knowledge of it doesn't, does not seem to help us do things better. Like Paul, we know and then fail. It's as if there, there's an influence, a pull, a desire we can't seem to shake. Paul continues, And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. So a couple of things here. Law that Paul mentions here is the religious rules and regulations that the Jewish people had. They knew there was a better way to live. They knew there was a right way to live that brought obedience and brought good things in life. And they knew if they strayed away from this way of living, bad th things seemed to happen. But knowing the good rules wasn't enough. He's saying the law points out to me that what I do and I know I shouldn't do is making the law clear that it's good. The law agrees that doing bad is, well, bad. And then he says, it is as if I'm powerless from the influence in my life. And he calls this influence the sin living in me. Now that's kind of a scary statement, right? Especially if you didn't grow up in the church or if you're new and you're figuring us out. And you're saying, sin living in me, what does he mean? Well, you see, Paul is addressing what humanity has been wrestling with for so long. Something in us is bent on destruction. Something in us does not want to choose the right things, even when we know better. 
Something in us has been influenced to choose wrong over right. Even when we clearly know it. He calls this the sinful nature in us. This is the primary influence according to Paul. Something is off in our nature that from an, as early as we can remember, we choose to do wrong so many times, even when we know we shouldn't do it. We call it sin. Doing something we know is wrong. Even when we create rules to know what is right, Paul calls the law, says it's good. But just because we defined it does not mean we do it. Sometimes we miss things in reading of these ancient letters, but Paul is being very, very vulnerable here. Bearing his soul to a church, saying, I don't do what I know I should do. What Paul is unpacking for us is that we, is something we all intuitively know. To know the problem, to know what we should do, isn't the solution. There is in this human nature, in this human condition, an essential weakness of the will. The will comes up against the problems, against the difficulties, the opposition, and it fails. The human condition seems to be uncooperative. I mean, for myself, it's almost every year I resolve and plan to exercise uh, more, to eat better, to read more, to write more, to spend more time with my kids, to go on more dates with my wife. I resolve so many things, and yet I find myself inadequate in following through. Paul is demonstrating the inadequacy of the human knowledge. Paul is also demonstrating the limitations of the understanding of the problem. Paul knew quite clearly what was wrong, but he was unable to put it right. He was like a doctor who could accurately diagnose a disease, but was powerless to, to prescribe a cure. And doesn't that just hit the nail on the head? What is the cure? Paul is driving this passage for us that even he, the guy who was given so much forgiveness, so much grace, and was called out by Jesus himself, the guy who had supernatural experience, was still inclined to be influenced to do wrong. Despite knowing what is right. And in fact, many of his contemporaries, many people of his time, many philosophers just said, well, why fight it? Live in the now. Who cares what the end is? Who cares how it messes up others or later in the future? Live in the moment. Can you believe people actually thought that way back then? One ancient artifact even found this writing that said, that called people to YOLO. So there you have it. We are powerless. Our choices, our decisions, our heart, it demonstrates the inadequacies of human knowledge. It demonstrates the limitations of our understanding. This is where we are at. Okay, have a great Sunday, everyone. We'll see you. Just kidding. No, luckily, this is not where we stop. Friends, Apostle Paul doesn't stop there. He reveals something that will help our inadequacies and our limitations. There is something that will help us address our influence, which will help us address our decisions. When we started, I suggested the question, what am I doing this for? Friends, what I'm suggesting with this question is an honest look at what is actually influencing us to make the decisions. Is it because it feels good and all we care about is that feeling in the moment? 
or are we considering the ramifications of this feel-good decision? You see, when we ask this question of our decisions, we expose any lie we are tempted to tell ourselves to convince ourselves that despite knowing that this is a bad decision, it will be okay. When we begin to honestly ask, what is our motivation? What is our influence? What is our reason? We expose the lie that influences us. Asking the right question of yourself will help you expose the influence and the reason you are doing what you are doing. Human condition has a desire to act and do things based on our influences. And so many times that influence drives us to do things that we, like Apostle Paul, do not want to do. For Paul, he says, the law had the power to reveal what is good and bad, but that didn't stop me from doing bad. Paul addressed the influence by naming it, exposing the sinful nature that bends on selfishness, destruction, and chaos. He named the problem. He named the influence. And just by naming it, exposed its corrosive power. When you expose the lie behind the influence, the lie behind the decision, the lie that focuses on selfish feeling or momentary gain, the lie that doesn't consider the end, but only the moment, when you call it out, when you bring it to light, it loses its power. Why does this matter? It matters because if we don't ask ourselves, what am I doing this for? If we continue to live under the influence of sin, we will continue to do what we don't want to do. Friends, when we are honest and expose this influence in our lives, to use the church language, sin will lose its power when it's exposed. Did you know that? Did you know that when you tell the truth, you break the power of any lie? You begin to break the power of sin. That's why we are told to confess to one another in church. It was a way of finding freedom for so long, but we've lost it because really it's uncomfortable and awkward. And it is, but friends, it carries power. And then when you tell the truth, we heal. There is power in confession. There's power in exposing the lie. And here's the good news. Look what Apostle Paul sees as the solution for him and for us. He says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What he's saying is, I know you do what you do not want to do. I know you keep messing up. And even knowing the problem is not strong enough to prevent you from doing it wrong. So God is offering the law of the Spirit. His Spirit that gives freely and we can be set free through it from the influence of the sinful nature. We in the process, like Paul, have no condemnation as we begin to live in the way of Jesus. God knows the influences and the justifications you make in your life to do what you do. But despite that, there is no condemnation in him and through him. You are given access to freedom and forgiveness. Paul says that the person of Jesus and his spirit will set you free. If you confess your heavenly father, look, what he's saying is that this is all, this all starts with telling the truth. 
And friends, if you're not a church person and you don't know what to make of this confessing and the spirit of God, here's what you can do. Here's what you can do. Be truthful. I promise you telling the truth or at the very least not lying will take you on the journey of hope, trust, and integrity. It will change your character. It will transform you like you never imagined. Your character affects your relationships, your employment. It transcends all aspects of your life. It will change your life and the people around you. The act of exposing the influence in your life and the desires you have will change your life. Life shows us that if you betray yourself, if you say untrue things, if you act out a lie, and this is why being truthful is so important, because if you are not telling the truth, you weaken your character. And if you have weak character, then adversity will mow you down when it appears, as it will appear. Because we all know that adversity is part of life. Your character, who you are, either draws people to you or repels them from you. Your character matters. And we know this, don't we? We talk about this in all spheres of life. I mean, even in sports, we say how you choose your captain of the team, your favorite athlete is all based on character. How we promote people in work is based on character. We know this because character drives our competency. When we have character, it drives us to do things better in life, which makes us work hard and learn all the time because that's what character does. We know that if we have character, we have chemistry in our relationships, in our work, in our friendships, because character will drive us to treat others well. When we have character, we begin to pay attention to our culture because we want the best in life. And we know how hard it is. But strong character drives us in this direction. We know this. We talk about this all the time. We talk about good character in all things. And friends, the number one thing that destroys character, the number one thing that weakens your character, the number one thing that destroys you is lying. So ask the question, what am I doing this for? Expose the decisions you are making. Expose the influence of what and why you are doing this for. When you begin to do this, you embark on the journey to become more truthful. You will begin to bring order, integrity, character, hope into your life. This is why Jesus said, if you hold on to my teachings, you are really my disciples, my students. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And isn't this what we all want? To be finally set free? So will you expose your influence and expose any lies that want to grow roots in your heart? Will you wonder about and seek the truth? Because when you do, Jesus promises that the truth will set you free.